time and it should stay on. Good, good, good. You see a little uh, activity going? Good, good, good. So you're going you're gonna to be outside the room? You know, if you pay enough, you can come inside, you know? Oh, look who decided to show up. <laughs> I'm glad you made it. Praise God. When I was in the military, we'd count off. You guys know how to do that, or you're not familiar with that? Can you do a count off? One. Three. It was good. <laughs> and the numbers stop. Say seven. Seven. I already said, I started with one. 18? 19. Outstanding. Did Colby not count? Do we have two minions? Double minion. Double. Shall we count again? Johnny, would you start us off? One, two. Nineteen. There's another guy in the back. That's right. <laughs> For those of you listening from Gastonia, we have no idea how to count. May it be your will, I deny our God, that a mishap not come about through us. And may we not stumble in a matter of Torah and cause our colleagues to rejoice over us. And may we not say regarding something which is Tameh that it is Tahor. And not regarding something which is Tahor, that it is Tameh. And may our colleagues not stumble in a matter of Torah, and we rejoice over them. For Adonai grants wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding of God. Unveil our eyes that we may perceive wonders from your Torah. Amen. Okay. It is a double minion. Okay. Is everybody comfortable? I want you to be comfortable. If you fall asleep, I'll make fun of you. Are you comfortable? Do I hear sounds? On the phone again. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Okay. Tonight I want to rock your boat. I know. It's shocking that I would actually try to do something like that. Um, but I, I believe we may have been misled. Say it isn't so. You're kidding, right? <laughs> Shocker, I know. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. So I want to get your take on this. So I'm going to walk us through very slowly a little word study from the Word of God. And then... <laughs> it's a runny crowd, I tell you. Um, and then I'd like to just ask you to, uh, to help me. Now, I have, to, uh, I have to ask Brock and Shane not to give up the ghost too soon here because I tried this out a little bit on them, I think a week ago at dinner, 
these fine gentlemen came and not only ate my dinner, but cleaned up afterwards. Outstanding young men, and you should be proud to be associated with them. Outstanding young men. So we're going to talk about prayer and healing tonight, and I've got a challenge for you. So I hope that at the end, you'll walk out and either be completely shattered and destroyed, <laughs> or, or, or you'll, uh, you'll feel good about it. So I want to first talk about healing. Healing in the scripture. In Hebrew, this is the, um, the Hebrew word rafa, rafa. And we see this translated as physician or, uh, or sometimes repair. We see Elijah uh, repairs or heals the altar. Same word, rafa. Um, Elijah uh, comes across a stream of water and everyone's disappointed. They can't drink it because it'll kill them. And uh, he throws salt in it, and it heals the water, and they're able to drink it. We see in uh, Ezekiel that uh, the fresh water has been healed. Salt water flowing around is healed, and it becomes fresh water. So there's different senses of healing here that we may or may not... uh, See, uh, in Exodus 15, Moses, or Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher, teacher. (laughs) Abraham Avinu, yeah, Abraham our teacher, no, yeah, okay, Abraham our father, right, so he calls him Adonai Rofe, right, Ani Adonai Rofecha, Adonai, our healer. And I want you to remember that. If you're going to make a note of something, you want to make a note of that. God is our healer. Right off the top, do you think that has to do with physical sickness, necessarily? I'm sorry? Yes. Okay. So, a physical healing. Not necessarily a spiritual healing. Is he our spiritual healer? Do we have a sickness that leads unto death? Do we, are we born with a spiritual malady that needs to be satisfied only by God himself? Sure. So, we continue. In Leviticus, all those scabs and boils and things that we read about, and the, the priest has to see, does it, does it have a white hair in the middle? And did it go away overnight and come back in the morning? And this and that. All of that. Yeah, it's Rafa all over the place, right? If this happens, then he's healed. If this doesn't happen, then he's not healed. It's all about healing. So Leviticus is throughout. This is great. Malachi, chapter 4 and verse 2, or if you have an English Bible, chapter 3, I beg your pardon, a Hebrew Bible, chapter 3 and verse 20, for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Why is this verse important to us? Who knew this verse? The lady, the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years and had suffered under the hands of the physicians, yes, she knew that Messiah had healing in his wings. She took that to mean the edge of his garment. If I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And of course, she was. And Marpe, 
is uh, a derivative, the same root as Rafa. It's, he's got healing in, uh, in the wings. Okay, so we're good on Rafa. That's the Hebrew. Good, yeah? This is the interactive portion of our program. Yes, okay, good. All right, so when the uh, righteous cry, they cry out for help, Adonai hears and delivers them out of all their troubles, Psalm 34. We see this throughout the scriptures. Moses, for example, uh, cries out to God when Miriam is stricken with leprosy. Why was she struck with leprosy? Or Tzara'at. For Lashon Hara. She had evil speech. She spoke against Moses, God's prophet, and God struck her with leprosy. Moses immediately cries out, please heal her. And he does, but she's still got to spend the seven days outside the camp. Of course, they stopped. They slowed down so that you know, she could run alongside the station wagon and jump in when she was done. But this is, a, this is a regular deal. We see people crying out to the Lord on a regular basis. This is not the word for heal. He did not say, Lord, heal her. He cried out. Tza'ak. Different word. That will be on the quiz at the end. Quiz. We'll get to that. It's coming up. Okay. He, it does not say he prayed. He cried out. Prayer is a different word. We're going to look at that. He cried out. We're going to do Avimelech in a minute. Stay on that. Let's go to the Greek first. Yaomai, same word used by the Septuagint for nearly every one of the Rafa words that we just looked at in the Tanakh. You know all of these. This is the master healing people, the centurion's servant. You remember this guy? No, 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 you don't have to come to my house. You just say the word. Why? I've never seen faith like that in all of Israel. It was great. The Canaanite woman. She's the one who described herself as a dog, right? I need you to heal my daughter. Please, heal my daughter. What do I have to do with you? Even the dogs get to lick up the crumbs. Remember that woman? That's it. He healed her daughter. The woman with the blood flow we already talked about. The man whose son had a demon. The master comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. This guy runs up. Can you heal my son? He's got a demon. Throws him in the fire all the time. It's terrible. Foaming at the mouth. I asked your disciples. They couldn't do it. Bummer. So he rebukes the demon. Kids healed. Yeah, am I. Later on, the disciples come up to him privately. How come we couldn't do it? This one doesn't come out. But by, in one version, in one gospel, prayer and fasting. In another one, but by prayer. Either way, we got some prayer involved. You may also have to fast. Did he pray? Did he fast? He did neither. He's God. I mean, he's a little, yeah. Okay. You got the man with dropsy. Dropsy means? He drops everything. <laughs> yeah. Edema. You guys all swollen up. Yeah, did you want to look it up now? Is that a medical term? 
It is? That's why you drop stuff. It, <laughs> it looks like a slang term. Something you would call your son at some point. On my word as a gentleman, I have never called him a dropsy. <laughs> So the issue here is not that the man's got dropsy, but that he's got an affliction of, of some type. We know what it is. It's dropsy. He's swollen. But it's on the Sabbath, and it's one of those Sabbath deals. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? All the swelling goes away. And now he's skinny. It's amazing. Okay? So uh, remember the ten lepers? How many turned back? Yeah. Okay? Um, the official son in Cana. He goes back to Cana. Apparently, according to the text, he hasn't been back since he did that water-wine deal. You know, so they got all the wine bottles lined up. He shows up. Fill these guys. No, it's not true. So uh, the official son is sick in Cana, and he heals him. The paralytic with the mat. You're, you're, it's famous, right? Hello, the guy down through the through the thatch roof thing, right? You know, your faith has made you whole. Well, it wasn't your faith; it was their faith. But it's okay. You just take up the mat and go. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're carrying your mat on the Sabbath. What's wrong with you? Okay. And then uh, Malchus's ear. Who can tell me about that one? Right, this is, this is, yeah, the servant of the, uh, of the uh, high priest that comes. Flap! Enough of this. Forget felt. Think about him and his wife. He comes home. There's blood all over his shirt, but there's no cut. It was a bad barber day. Man. Okay. So that's uh, same word. This is healing in the apostolic scriptures. Okay. Um, you remember this, maybe? Um, Peter's in Luda, is how we pronounce this, and that's uh, southeast of Joppa. And Aeneas has been paralyzed for eight years, can't move, laying in the bed. Peter shows up, he's just walking around from town to town trying to encourage believers in Messiah, shows up, Aeneas is laying on the bed. Bam. Heals him. Stands up. No prayer. Just heals him. You know how those apostles are. Be healed. Big hand print. Bruise the next day. But the guy can walk. So, Luda, you you understand this as being an amazing thing. And word went out throughout the countryside that this happened. Do you remember Tabitha? Dorcas? He raised her from the dead. They called from Joppa. Remember? It's just real close. They heard in the next town that he had done this. So when Tabitha dies, they, they go down to Luda to get him. That's, that's the deal there. Okay? I think if you summarize all of the apostolic writings about this word for healing, Peter's got it down. In 1 Peter 2.24, we read, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been, Yahamai, you have been healed. Is that physical? That's not, is it? His wounds, his time on the cross... The sacrifice, the shedding of his blood, had nothing to do with my physical well-being, but my spiritual well-being. And I think if you read all of them in context, we can see something. By the way, if I read this verse to you without the himself in there, 
wouldn't it still work? He bore our sins in his body on the tree. What's the focus here? Is the focus the tree? It is. It's that he himself bore our sins. God died for us. What did Isaiah say? How did he put it? Again, how did he do it? Isaiah again. That's good. Give me another one. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, who will make them white? Gregory will make them white as snow. I don't think that's the version. That's a different version. Sean will make them. No. Who makes them white as snow? God will make them white as snow. He himself bore our sins on the tree. Do we get that? Okay. He's the guy. He is the one who chose to do it. God demands the payment and provides it by his great love. Okay? Are we cool? I think that's important. And I would venture to you now that most of the healing that we see in the scriptures, is designed to point to this very summary. Great man of God, his name is John, forerunner to Messiah. He's spoken about in the prophets. He's going to make the path straight. He's going to set up the way. He's going to be the announcer. Behold the Lamb of God. You ever wonder? He's in prison. He's about to, you know... Loses his head. Sends two guys to Yeshua. What does he ask? Are you the one or should we get a reservation at another table? I mean, what's up here? What's the response? I'm the one! That wasn't the response. What was the response? Look around! People are being healed! That is the messianic tone. That's how we know we're in the days of Messiah. People are being healed. Do you see that? It is. We're repairing what's been broken. He even used that kind of metaphor when he was arguing with them. Wait a minute, you just healed somebody on the Sabbath. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you take your ox out of the ditch on Shabbat. Here's a son of Abraham who's been stooped over and couldn't stand up all his life. I got him standing up. And you want to complain? Come on. All right. So we've looked at... Yes, sir? I just did two words. I did the Hebrew and I did the Greek. You sure? It's the same kind of deal. Uh, 
um, the, where we get the word, your piece talking about the word where we get therapeutic from. It, it's, it's, it's a healing, and it's very consistent. Same kind of thing. What I was looking for, though, was the parallel in the Septuagint to Rapha, which is not uh, thera, whatever it is. It's Iyamai. All right? That's a good question. Now we're going to move to prayer. Because we're talking about prayer and healing. So prayer in the Hebrew is tefillah, that's prayer, the noun, and palal, which is the verb, to pray. Okay? Here we are. Bam! It means to intercede or to pray, and it is, in fact, prayer. Right? I like this. Israel says to Joseph, this is Jacob saying to his son Joseph, I never expected to see your face. That's the word prayer. Isn't that cool? I, I, never, I never even thought to pray that I would see you. I, I just thought you were gone. Moses prayed these words. He prayed. The fire went out that was licking up on the outskirts of the uh, community. The serpents fled because the serpents were biting the people and they had to look on the bronze serpent. You remember that, right? And then Aaron, after the golden calf, Aaron actually lives. The scriptures indicate that all three of those things happened. Why? Because he prayed. Hannah. Who's Hannah? What's up? What's up with that? She prays for her son. Talk to me. She was barren. Samuel's mom. Who's Samuel? Which prophet? First one. Okay. Also first judge, right? All right. So who raised Samuel? Did Hannah raise Samuel? What happened? He went to the tabernacle to live in the priest's house. Right. So the priest is raising the boy because she prayed. If you give me a son, I'll dedicate him back to you. As soon as he's weaned. Yeah. Samuel interceding for the people when they asked for a king. Oh, this is a bad thing you've done. I'm going to pray for you. He prays for him. Elisha. Elisha prays for Gehazi's eyes. Remember that? He's all freaked out because he sees the Assyrian army. And Elisha's just having muffins. I mean, it's like nothing to him. He doesn't care. You know? So he prays that Gehazi's eyes will open. What, is, what does Gehazi see? Chariots, myriad of, of armies encamped on the uh, hillside there and, uh, you know, puts his mind at rest. Uh, he didn't do well later on. Um, Solomon uses this word for foreigners and gentlemen. Somebody ro- open it up. Let's read Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. This is where he's dedicating the temple. And I, I commit to you that I want to memorize these two verses. I may actually grab the whole chapter myself, but I just think it's so good as a Gentile. Let's hear this, Johnny, and let's, let's, let's give it a little gusto so we can all hear. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward his temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you. As do your own people Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. How cool is that? If you're a Gentile, man, that's top shelf. I would memorize that one. 
Ezra and Nehemiah both intercede for the people. They're praying, they recognize there's been sin, and they want God's favor, and they're interceding. It's this prayer here. Um, <laughs> Job's three friends, yeah, um, Eliphaz, head of the friends, two other guys, um, Eliphaz is told by God, I, you know, I, I really don't like the way you're putting all this, and you're really dissing my man, Job. So here's, here's the deal. Um, I'm ticked. That's all there is to it. I'm just, I'm ticked. So, my servant Job is going to pray for you. And if not, you've had it. He's told that Job would pray. What do you know about Job? What happened in the end? What kind of restoration? Better than ever. His fortunes were restored. When did it happen? As soon as he prayed for Eliphaz and the two jerks. I mean the, the two friends. It happened as soon as he prayed for those guys. Isn't it interesting, to your point about Abimelech, we'll get to in a minute, isn't it interesting that his fortunes were not restored until he chose to intercede for these guys? This is not the first time where we're told that someone else would pray for them. I like it. For someone else, yeah. There doesn't, you know, it seems to be completely vacuous when it comes to praying for your own healing. But the the sense is, why wouldn't you be praying for somebody else's spiritual and physical well-being? Exactly right. Which we don't do on Shabbat, right? Job's misfortunes are restored. Daniel nine is all about interceding. Daniel is praying for the people. And he's given this tremendous vision. Are we good on Palal? Sir? He did. Um, It is uh, the same word, but he doesn't pray for somebody else. He actually prays that God would remember his good works, his righteousness, and so forth. And he does. Because he's he's been told, get your affairs in order. It's happening. You've got a couple days at most, and you're on your way out. You know, that kind of deal. He prays, and Isaiah is actually left. And Isaiah is told to turn around, go back. Tell him I heard his prayer. I'm going to work on this. I didn't look up Jabez. I've tried to avoid Jabez since the whole little book came out, but uh, we can check that. And these guys here can do that with their stuff. I think that we as a, as a community, as a people, as a Christian nation, if you will... We've just been raised. That's, yeah, that's the deal. Um, we've been raised and trained to pray. We've learned these verses. Matthew 21. Whatever you ask and pray, you will receive it if you have faith. It just makes you want to go out and buy some faith. I'm looking. I'm looking for more faith. Ask and you shall receive, John 16. And then, of course, the follow-on in James, you don't have because you didn't ask. Makes you want to just drop to your knees and start asking. 
Maserati, Maserati, Maserati. <laughs> yeah. So would you agree that this is the kind of, of, of culture that we've been raised in? I mean, we've seen all these people get healed. We've been doing all this praying. And if somebody doesn't get healed, exactly, John, we, we, we question. Yeah, you got a little bit of lack of faith there, you know, because if you had enough faith, I think that guy would be dancing around without those crutches. Yeah, what sin are you hiding? That's exactly right. I mean, if you confess your sins, you know, he'll be gracious to forgive you. Well, that's the question. That's really the question. You would think... with everything that we've been raised to believe, and with all of these scriptures about prayer and healing, two things would be true. Number one, everyone in this room would know someone that was physically healed of some malady, And they would know someone personally that they would lend money to, that they would leave their children with. They would know someone personally that's been healed. I am 53. I know hundreds of missionaries. I get letters all the time, mostly asking for money and support. But it is surprising that there's not more healing going on. But there is. I hear about it. This woman had this massive lump hanging off her side. Boop! They prayed and it just fell off. She's running the marathon now. Healthy as a horse. It's unbelievable. I read about these all the time. I don't know anyone personally. Now I'm the oldest guy in the room. The two... Your dad's younger than me. I'm not the oldest guy in the room. Here's the oldest guy in the room. He's the two, three oldest men. Four. Four dads. We got another one. Did I miss anybody? Five dads, but you don't care. You're too young. Six. Yeah. All right. So we're talking over 50 years here. I don't know anybody. Have you heard of healing? Yes. Praying and healing? Yes. Do I deny that God can heal? Absolutely not. I know God. He's actually a personal friend of mine. I know that he can heal. Should he choose to? I don't, I'm not denying his power in any way. Don't get me wrong. For those of you in Gastonia, I'm okay with God healing. But I don't know anybody. Not one person. And you think with all of this, I would know someone. I don't know anybody. Do you know personally, personally, that you would lend money to? Not one. You, sir. Okay. And that is that um, every breath, every morning that we wake, miraculous. It, it is miraculous. And therefore, we would all die of the common cold if it weren't for God's intervention. Sean, I'm with you 100%. The sages say we shouldn't even open our eyes on the bed until we thank Him for the very breath of life. I'm not talking about that, and don't disregard it in any way. All I'm talking about is. Someone has a bona fide, all-American, this-guy's-going-to-die disease. 
And somebody prayed, who happened to be a Christian, not a Buddhist. Muslims don't count. This guy prayed, and now, miraculously, all the doctors say, Oi! He's been healed. You would think, with the culture we have, everybody in this room would know someone personally that had been healed. It has to be a prayer followed by healing because that's what we're looking at in the scriptures. I was healed miraculously, but I don't think I would call that you know the deal. But but again, even if that's true, statistically, it's it doesn't count. You anybody? No. See what I'm saying? One, you know somebody personally that has been say that has been healed. That you know of, personally. That's one out of 20 guys. You know one? Personally. Healed. Bonafide sick, now healed. So how do you explain that statistically we're so wimpy on this point? If it's true, you're right. That's my point. Which is a dilemma. Well, hopefully we'll help with that dilemma tonight, or we're just going to really mash this up badly. But my, I think you see my point. Do you not? Out of 20 people, we got maybe two, maybe three and a half people that have known someone, bonafide sick, prayed, miraculously healed. That's wonderful. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Yes, sir. Okay? So, you would think that we would have more. So, in our own experience, we seem a bit lacking, but I think it's really because your faith isn't worth a crap. So, maybe we should look to the scripture. So, if you have electronic devices, please put those down and turn those, turn those bad boys off until we're at a cruising altitude. I am looking for you to think back now. Every one of you here, I'm going to give a bite to Christian just in case. Everybody here, I'm going to give a bye to Tim just in case. Everybody, I'm going to give a bye to Gideon just in case. Everybody here should have read the entire Word of God from Genesis to the maps at least one time. Now I want you to stop. I want you to start. In the beginning, what was the word? No, that's John 1. Okay. In the beginning, God created. Wait, I can do that in Hebrew too. Bereshi. Yeah, but okay. So I want you to start at the beginning, and I just want you to fast forward through the whole word of God. And give me an example of a man or woman who prays for someone else who's sick, and they are healed. You would think we should have 20 examples. You would think. I mean, it's a regular thing, right? I mean, that's what we're all about. I mean, God is healing His people. Go ahead. 
Take a little time you need. Yeah. Elisha. Tell me about Elisha. Uh, he prayed for the woman's son. The woman's son was dead. He was not healed. He was raised from the dead. But that's good. I like that. Give me another one. Resurrections don't count. That's right. That's not healing. But it's good. It's good. I mean, that's a major healing. But it, that's not. I mean, that's that's the ultimate. Thing, yeah. I mean, you're dead. Would Would you all agree that not only is it miraculous, not only does it bring glory to God, but it's not the kind of thing you want to be involved with right now. If you're on the receiving end. Got another one? Yes, sir. Yes, outstanding. Paul on Malta. We're going to look at that one in a minute. And you said one? Abraham, Abraham praying for? Abimelech. What happened with Abimelech? Abraham's done the sister thing. What does that mean? Come on. Somebody who's not a regular player. Okay, Caleb. You okay with the neck there? Come on. All right, tell me about, tell me about Abraham and the sister thing. What's, what's he doing with his sister? He's, he's saying Sarah's his sister. What's up with that? It's the first one. He, he, yeah, he says, I want you to, want you to do what? Why? Why would they kill him? She's a knockout. Exactly right. Okay, so the first time, what happens? That's, a, that's the one we're getting to. And the first one, he sees them through the window. Isn't that the one? No. That's the second one? Oh, that's Isaac. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like father, like son. All right. So tell us about Abimelech. What happens to Avimelech? My father is king. king. Okay. Um, Avimelech takes Sarah. God speaks to him in a vision and says, keep her up right now. Goes, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I haven't touched her yet. Doesn't happen. God says, I did this to keep you from doing something. Because if you touch her, you're going to die. Okay. Then... Now, why did he need to be healed? What happened to Avimelech and everybody in his household? Actually, that was one of them, one of the results. Every orifice of everybody was corked. Oh, yeah. So, if only the wombs were closed, Avimelech wouldn't need to be prayed for. All the women would. But the scripture is clear that Avi wanted the prayer more than the women. Why is that? He had to go! That's exactly right! Ding, 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 ding! Yes! So, for our scripture examples, first one, Abraham prays for Avimelech and his household to be healed. This is the first verse in the entire Bible that has both the word for prayer and the word for healed. We have a man praying for someone else, and he's healed. So all of the orifices are opened, and there's a, and everybody in the, in the whole palace goes, ah, okay. 
<clears throat> now, you just, uh, who, who had the other one? Who's the other one? Moses with Miriam is a good one, but Moses didn't pray. Tzaak. He cried out to God. It doesn't say he prayed. I know, it's tough, it's tough. But you had the other one. The other one. Now check this out. Paul prays on the island of Malta. So let me set this up. Okay? So they're on the ship, right? And there's a bad storm, and they're going to run the ship aground. And Paul says, whoa, 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 don't, don't, don't leave the ship. Everybody stay on the ship. We're going to crash, but everyone will get to shore alive. But you can't leave the ship. Got was the full cow. And they listened to him. And sure enough, shipwreck, where do they end up? On the island of Malta. And they all made it. It's a great story. But then while he's on the island of Malta, Publius' father is sick. Now, this is hilarious. Where, is, where are we reading about Abraham? In the book of? At the very beginning. Paul's praying. We're in Acts like 28. Now, we're in the back end of the book of Acts. And descriptively, chronologically, we're pretty much at the end of the gospel stories. Right? Because we already had the uh, birth of Messiah. We've had the life of Messiah. We've had the crucifixion of Messiah. We've had the death of Messiah. We've had the raising of Messiah. We've had the 40 days, the power on high. We've got the... Day of Pentecost, we have the whole light of Paul. Yeah, he's getting old here. So we're at the end. So he prays for Publius' father to be healed. What was Publius' father's problem? <laughs> Just the opposite. The guy had dysentery. Ha! Now, for those of you from Gastonia and for our favorites, uh, Senior Master Sergeant Woeful Guy, what's the difference between diarrhea Oh my. And dysentery. Diarrhea is bad. That's right. Dysentery is diarrhea with blood. This is bad news, guys. So what's the problem with Avimelech? Everything stopped up. What's the problem with Publius's dad? Nothing stopped up! These are the only two examples in the entire Word of God. These are the only examples in the entire Word of God. There are two. One at the beginning of the story, one at the end. One guy's stopped, one guy's running. There are no others. There's not one other example in the Word of God where somebody prays for someone and they are healed. Yet we have been taught that this is a regular thing, that it happens all the time, that it's a regular thing even in our culture. These are the facts of the case, and they are undisputed. Right. Even with the crying out, and if you, if you included those, it still only happens every couple hundred years. Correct. Even. So, I kind of came to the realization, it's kind of, maybe I'm wrong, but I came to the uh, opinion that it wasn't really that common to begin with, and it was a misnomer. Okay. It just isn't, it wasn't common to begin with, but because it was preached so much, people think it is, and they perceive it because they're looking for it. 
and are often dissed, as some of the men have pointed out, if nothing happens, because their faith must be too weak. Good point. Yes, sir. Yes, that could be, Johnny. And I considered that. The Bible is a book of anomalies. We have God reaching into time and dealing with a man, Abraham. We have God reaching into time and saving a nation, the nation of Israel. We have God reaching into time and providing his own son. It's a, it's a book of anomalies. I understand that. But if that were the case, there would be extra-biblical writings that would support this. And yet the writings of the sages indicate... Just the opposite. Yeah. Healing is, is a very rare thing. In fact, what's actually promoted in the writings, especially in the uh, Talmud, is suffering. This city did great. Always had rain. Why? Because this rabbi who lived there had a kidney stone. Seven years he had that kidney stone. He suffered like you wouldn't. His suffering made sure they had rain. That's it. That's the focus. So, but it's a good point, and, and I'm glad you brought it up, because it could be. But one would think there would be a description, and there's not. Yes, sir? Right. They did, yeah. And, and it's shocking. Yeah, Try, trying to get some incantation or something to happen. Yeah, yeah. The diseases that I put on on Egypt. It's, it's almost like witchcraft is, is how it's a, spoken of or addressed in the Talmud. Okay, so now that I've crushed all your, your thoughts about getting rid of the kidney stone, um, we have, out of the entire Bible, two examples. I think they're noteworthy. I think they're noteworthy. Because the dearth, the lack of information that we have, and examples that we have of prayer and healing bring glory to our Messiah Yeshua. Do you remember how many times I said, well, this has never happened in Israel before. We've never seen anything like this before. This is a first in Israel. By this man, we've never known a man to be healed who was born blind. Back to John. How do you know I'm the Messiah? Look around. 
Stuff's happening that never happens. There's a lame guy walking with the mat. Why did I call him the lame guy? He's a guy born blind. Walking around, taking the eye test. He's, he's getting his license next week. Hello? I'm the Messiah. It's a great thing. So my point here is not to diss the power of prayer. Nor is it to deny the healing power of our God. But rather to bring glory to Messiah. And the fact that so many people were healed in the times that we love to read about that it's obvious this man was the Messiah of Israel, the very Son of God. Amen? Okay. Hankies. Yeah, take a hanky he's held on to. Shadow covers. So now my question to follow up with that is Yeshua talking to his disciples, maybe he's limited only to those men. Yes. He says things like, Greater things than these you will do. Yes. He says, you know, uh, I think the end of Mark talks about a whole slew of miraculous things you're going to do. Right. Um, so it could be an apostolic age type of thing. Now it's interesting that he sends them out twice, does he not? Yes. He sends them out two by two. Don't take anything with you. They don't want to receive you. Just take up the dust from your feet. You know the whole deal, right? He sends them out. What are, you, what are they supposed to do? What are they supposed to do? Cast out demons and heal people. That's what they're supposed to do. Fast forward. It's the end of the ministry now. He's about to go and be caught up. Matthew 28. With the Great Commission, as the uh, assembly calls it, right? I send you into all the world. All power is given to me, and I give it to you. Go into all the world, teaching, preaching, and healing people. No, 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 no. Just make disciples. He doesn't mention the healing anymore. So it could be. An apostolic era deal. I don't claim to know. I'm just raising the issue from the scripture. Actually, it's a good segue. It's James. So let's look at that. Let's look at that. I paid him for that. James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. I like to walk through this. I think James is the problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not James that's the problem, it's people using James. That's right, yeah, I wanted to rip it out of the Bible, yeah. Okay, and that's Brother Luther to you, by the way. Um, it'd actually be Father Luther, wouldn't it? Because he was a priest. He was a priest, so it's Father Luther. I mean, we still got to know his title. All right. So this is James chapter 5, and I submit to you that the reason why we have this idea that we should be able to pray for someone and they will be healed, ipso facto, it's because of a misinterpretation of James chapter 5. So let's look at it verse by verse, as it were. All right? Is anyone among you suffering? What's he supposed to do? Let him pray. This is a cause and effect statement. Does everybody see that? If you're suffering, what are you supposed to do? Pray. Good, good. Is anyone cheerful? What's he supposed to do? 
Sing praise. By the way, this is the word for psalm right here. It's the word for psalms, okay? All right? Is anyone among you sick? What's he supposed to do? Let him pray. Oh, oh no. He's not supposed to pray. He's supposed to call. He's to call for the elders of the assembly and let them pray over him. What happens? They're supposed to anoint him with oil in the name of Adonai. That's cool. That's great. That's wonderful. So, what's, what's the end result? He got prayed for. So, the prayer of faith will heal the guy. That's not what it says. Actually, the prayer of faith will save. Sozo. Save. This is the word that we use for save. Yeah. I know, this is a tough one, right? Then you get into the Greek and you drill it all down, and what do you get? Well, the word sozo means save. Always. This is a salvation thing, okay? So, if you're sick, James says, oh, you're sick. Is this a sickness under death, a sickness under chastisement, or a sickness under the glory of God? Yeah, we don't know. But James is saying, if you're sick, call the elders, baby. Oh, yeah. Let them pray over you. And the prayer of faith, assuming that's the elders have the prayer of faith, not the guy, right? Because who's praying? The elders. Will save the one who's sick. And Adonai will raise him up. This literally means to raise him up. Like he'll be able to get up. Or go up. Same word. Remember when the master did the ironic benediction on the Mount of Olives? And he was lifted up while he was praying. And they were looking down because they didn't want to look at him while, you know, a little Klingon ray come out of his fingers, right? So they're looking down at his feet. And his feet are lifting up off the ground. It's the same word, okay? So if he has, this is a guy who's sick, right? If he has committed sins, are we talking about health? Have we had anything about health yet? No. If he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, if you're sick, call some elders so that you can be healed. No. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, do you think that that heal is physical or spiritual? Remember, this word healed is used by Elijah. To heal the spring so it's no longer death-ridden. He heals the altar so that it can function the way it was intended. He, Ezekiel, says that the salt waters will be healed and now can produce life because they're fresh water. I don't think that you can take that as a physical healing or you're blowing away all the context of this stuff about that. Here's my last point to this point. If this had anything to do with being healed physically, then surely he would give us an example that has to do with that. So what's the example he gives us? Elijah. Now he's a guy just like us. Right? 
The prayer of the righteous person has great power. Elijah was a man of a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that this guy with palsy would be able to stand up. No, that's not what it says. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. I submit to you, that I'm surprised that the guy who's sick shouldn't pray for himself. I am surprised that the guy who's calling the elders needs to confess his sins, needs to be anointed with oil, which was a common medical-type practice, but, you know, if you've got a busted finger, the oil's not going to do much. Um, but I'm, I'm curious that this word, sozo, save, is here. I would, have, I would have been okay with it if healed was up here and saved was down there. And the prayer of faith will heal the one who is sick. That makes more sense. And Adonai will raise him up, like from the sick bed. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be saved. It works if you flip it. But if you do it that way, the way it's written, it's sort of different. I got you. He's first. Go. That's what we're doing. Right. It's just like that. Yep. Yep. Because the, the guy can't go to the priest. The guy can't go to the priest. The priest will come to him. Right. He, um, he's, tradition holds that you only get leprosy for certain sins, specifically the Shonara and all other things. And God's doing that to you specifically. For, to cause you to repent. Right. Um, you are excluded from the community, which is um, effectively the equivalent of dying. Right. And certainly would be... Which is why Moses was so concerned. Exactly right. So, um, this is just interesting, the parallels there, and not to say that it's only leprosy, but it's intriguing that it would line up so closely with essentially a supernatural illness directly linked to sin that is only healed supernaturally. And to his point, excellent, to his point, the salvation, the, the sozo word, now fits. Because while you have tsara'at, where are you? You're outside. You're outside the camp. You are not. You are cut off from the people of promise. It is as if you were dead. And you need some type of salvific arm. You, then you, then you. Was it you or you? And then after him. Okay, 19, 17, 21. Mm-hmm. Didn't sickness kill most people? There was a high mortality rate. So 
say if you knew someone was going to die, wouldn't it be... Just make your peace with God. I'm with you. By the way, to uh, Joshua's point, if he's right, which is the same sense that I saw in it, does this have anything to do with praying for a guy who's got a kidney stone? That's, that, that's taking this in a different context. And I'm willing to admit, maybe I got the context wrong. Yes, Peter. Speak up, son, I can't hear you. Yeah. I can't breathe. My nose is stuffed up. My chest, you know, the whole Vicks thing. I'm suffering. Yeah. Now, you know, as opposed to cheerful or sick. Yes, sir. Talk to me. And the scripture is Isaac prayed, it's uh, Genesis 25 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife right. because Rebecca. she was barren. Right. And the Lord answered him, and Re- Re- Rebecca, his wife, conceived. Personal story. We had six beautiful kids. Seven? No? I'm sorry. Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you hate it when your sons try and correct you all the time? I mean, it's. Because Isaac prayed, but it never said she was healed. It, it is specifically about barrenness, which isn't necessarily sickness. Right. But the word healed is not there. It's not. And, and in fact, what's interesting, what really got me thinking about it was the second part, which is Elijah prayed for something that was barren. Right. And the heaven gave rain and the earth and, bore its fruit. Amen. The, the heavens so opened up. About, yeah. About yeah. I like it. I like it. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, wait, wait. I jumped you. I will hear their land. Yes. I really tried not to put that one in here because I didn't want to do the bumper sticker deal. But Absolutely. But again, it doesn't fit what we're looking for. Someone praying and God healing a person. Now he's going to heal the land. Sure. Which again speaks to more of a spiritual thing. Right? 
So, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you're not next. You're next. Possible side thought to the James passage, um, although it doesn't really say anything about specifically with healing, the words not used. Right. Exactly. And I see a great parallel with Job. Yeah. I'm ticked at you, Avimelech. I'm ticked at you, Eliphaz. This guy's going to pray for you. Right. Well, and that's why Elijah's here. Yeah. This is a righteous man. That's right. Pray. Yeah. Good. I think Shane was next, and then Greg. Don't have to. It's my choice. Speak. It's sad, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of healing ministries and the smack on the forehead and, you know, the woman who's healed stands up out of the wheelchair. Three days later, she's dead. You know, um, but it's on TV, you know. Um, right. You know, and, and again, I, I'm not saying God doesn't heal. I know he heals. Speak up, please. Yeah. Let him know that he who turned the sinner from the error of his way will save, save his soul. soul. That's right. That's exactly right. Same kind of thing in Jude. It's amazing that if we look at the context, this does not appear to be a physical praying. This appears to be a spiritual problem, and it's going to be dealt with through prayer. And, you know, I would say and submit that when the master came down from that mountain and prayed for that guy's son, the reason why the disciples couldn't do it is because it wasn't so much a physical thing. It was completely spiritual, overwhelmingly spiritual, and that's why he could do it. Yes, sir. And he's praying big time. And he's, you know, he's all over it. And here's a man that God said, here's a man after my own heart. Right? And obviously he said, but yes. here's a man after my heart, and God doesn't hear his prayer, and the child dies. Or, or God heard his prayer, and the child died. Yeah, well, that's my point. He heard his prayer, and he said no. That's right. And then later, after, after and 
interesting is David's reaction to this. His servants were afraid to tell him because they were feared he would do something to right. harm himself. Right. But um, once that happened, he got up, he washed, washed. he anointed, he went to uh, worship the Lord, he came back and he ate. He ate, and the servants were all amazed. They were like, well, why are you doing this? And he was like, and he says, um, That's more while I can the do. child was alive, um, was still alive, I fasted and went for I said, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live, but now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? So I find, I think it's interesting when we're talking about this, that, you know, reason, like we someone said earlier, oh, it's not healed because you didn't have enough faith. Right. There's something wrong with you. Well, sometimes God just says no. Exactly right. And I think we know that David was a man of faith and marked out as such. Okay. Yes, sir. One last thing is, when I think about this James passage and the passage in First John, the other passages we quoted from the Apostolic Scripture, with regard to praying sin, I think it's interesting that something that leads to Specific death is a result of sin. And I remember it reminded me of the passage, I think it's in First Corinthians. I can't help you unless you tell me what the passage Paul, is. Paul's describing telling people about them who have um, essentially are misusing the uh, the supper, the Lord's Supper, Passover. Right, right. And um, he says some some sleep. Um, some some are falling asleep. Some, some are dying. people are dying because of sin. That's right. And um, in thinking about that and linking with all of these passages together, what I guess I'm kind of getting is, it, it, like I, that's why I mentioned leprosy. It reminds me so much of leprosy. It's the idea that people sin, and as a result of sin, specific sin, that people can really even point to, and certainly the person who did it knows, sin, there is something that's happened to them that's, that's caught either cast them out of the community or threatening their life. And people pray for them, and God intervenes. And sometimes, as we see in First John or in the case of David, God's not going to intervene because the exactly right. is too serious. That's exactly so, right. But that, to me, is different than, like we talked about earlier, the kidney stone or the person with a broken leg or the person going in for surgery for cancer for something that they didn't do. It's, it's a totally physical instance. Right. A different scenario. That's right. That's exactly right. Yes. I think a large part of this comes down to the fact that we have to recognize God's sovereignty in our lives. The fact that, you know, Job is the prime example. Nothing happened to him that God didn't allow to happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and to your point earlier, Brock, about God hearing the prayer but saying no, we have to recognize that whether or not he answers that prayer, he is still God. And, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no rub between the, you know, the, you know, what choices we make and, you know, and whether or not God, you know, says, oh, this is your, your destiny or anything like that. In fact, the sages say that there's, there's no conflict there. Um, the fact is that we just have to always, always be you know, cognizant of the fact that he is sovereign in our lives. At peace and content with what he gives us. Amen. Yeah. So, so you want my opinion? Yes. That's a good question. Everybody thinks that's a good press question. Well, I think I think I've got a great question that I'll answer first, 
or ask you to answer first. Should we pray for the sick? Yes. How many people say yes? After all we went through, I want everybody who's not here to know, I got 100%. Everybody thinks we should pray for the sick. Put your hands down. I think that's wonderful. And I think we should pray for the sick. Because I believe that my God loves us and wants the best for us. And sometimes, to Johnny's point, the best may be a kidney stone. The best for Paul was either, what was that, a gimpy leg, a bad arm, or a pussy eye. He had some kind of thorn in the flesh, and he prayed three times. And God said, you know what? I'm tired of hearing you praying about this. Stop praying about this. You got it. You got the thorn? Keep the thorn. If we shouldn't pray for the sick, Paul shouldn't have prayed for himself. If we shouldn't have prayed for the sick, then Paul should not have prayed for Publius' dad. It's as simple as that. Does that mean God's got to answer? No, he doesn't. Do we know anybody that he's answered? One or two out of 20. I think we should pray. So if you I like that. I don't go so far as to put it this way. I noticed there was a big difference in the scriptures where someone cried out to God. And you know that word tsaak actually means to cry. I mean, literally, the tears is the deal. Now, it also means to cry out like you would think. The British are coming! The British are coming! That's crying out. But not crying out with so much fervor that you're brought to tears. So I would say that if you're going to take the time to pray for someone who is sick, you need to have the faith that God can choose to heal the person. But after my study, I'm starting to believe that if you're not willing to cry out, if you don't want it bad enough, I just don't know if God's going to respond. Because we have several points where God says, I've heard your cry. Several times. I've heard your cry. And I will reach down from heaven. And I will move. And I will do something. He heard the cry of his children in Egypt. He heard Moses' cry. This cry is important. And I think that we would be wiser men if we grabbed onto a cause for which we believe, for which we have faith, and we would cry out. And I think that there's power in men crying out in a group. I had two men here and then one there. Yes, sir. 
asking for healing should be accompanied with providing health, providing nutrition, providing doctor, what, what not, what have you, do whoever needs it. That's, awesome. That's a good point. And I think that uh, we have a, uh, a king of Israel, I believe it was Asa, who was rebuked by the Lord because he sought the physicians before he sought God. He looked for a healing from people before he sought healing from God. I think that's that's a good bellwether for us. Yeah. Exactly right. So I'm I was hoping you'd speak up. You're probably the only charismatic in the group. Yes, you know, touch me, brother. Touch me. That's right. Whack. Then who's got to be the problem? What's up? What's up with this God that you have? Yeah, exactly right. But you're not going to cry out unless you truly Yeah, and, and, and I bring that up for a reason. This is all set up. You would expect that from me, right? You all agree that we should pray for the sick. You all see the value in crying out to God with enthusiasm. Uh, the uh, the passage we had here with uh, with Elijah was prefaced with a description of the man of God praying, and it said the fervent prayer of the righteous man is effectual or has great power while it's working. So we have a class project. This Shabbat, we will have a guest with us who has fellowshiped with us before. His name is Roger. He's a little bit older than me. Believe it or not, he's a little bit older than Joe. Yeah. And um, he's got a spot on his lung that is cancerous. No, he's got a spot on his kidney, which is cancerous. And it's a little smaller than a tennis ball. And he's in the throes now of figuring out, give up half a kidney, four hours of surgery, give up the whole kidney, two hours of surgery. But they can't do the surgery until they deal with the spot on his lung, which he's going to see the doctor about for a CAT scan or an MRI or something this Thursday. I've asked him to drive the two hours it takes to get here so that you can pray for him. I don't do this. Now, you know me. I never lie to you. I'm an open book, very transparent. I don't like going to hospitals. I don't like touching dead people. I don't like praying for people. You ask me to pray for you, I will write it down. And for the entire week, every morning, at that spot in the prayers, I will pray for you. At the end of the week, I strike you off the list. 
Healed or dead, I don't care, I did my deal. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm encouraged, I hope by God, to take it to the next level. I firmly believe that this man, who worshipped with us several times, and was a little... Uh, in disagreement with the rabbinic focus of our community from time to time, especially with the non-Karite perspective with which we take. So he decided that this probably wasn't for him. He has seen some value in some of the rabbi's writings, has bought a sitter uh, at Talit, and is praying. Coming close to death sometimes does that. But I see this as an absolute rebuke to me and an opportunity for me to step up. On Shabbat in this room, we will pray for that man. And as much as it makes me feel weird being a Methodist, I'm going to put my hands on this guy. And I'm going to cry out to the Lord. And if you think that's funny... Don't pray with me. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. But if you want to anoint him, that'll work. He's going to anoint him. I have plenty of olive oil. Italian home. So I just wanted you to know what's coming up. So when that comes up, before we start our portion discussion, we're going to pray for this guy. Now there's 20 guys here. Some of you aren't going to be here for the portion discussion. I understand that. But we're still going to have a lot of people here. We're going to have a lot of men here. And if I remember what I just read, it's the effective or fervent prayer of a righteous man, of a tzaddik. And I wonder where I might find a few of those guys. Well, here you are. So the gauntlet's laid down. If you want to pray with me, let's see what God will do. Like you said, he may choose not to heal. There may be some sin there, and he refuses. We don't know. I don't think we can know. We'll ask, I'll ask him. He's coming here for dinner on Friday evening. I'm going to ask him to confess his sins. He's got anything he wants to share? Praise God. But that's my plan. And I'm sticking to it. I may be the only yozo up there, but I'm willing to do that. Did you watch the video Not yet. It was about cool. Sh- Shocker. But um, it's, it's, well, because we didn't touch any on the all-repeated gift of healing. Right, right. The gift yes. They don't even know the guy. Right. And I think, I think what we should yearn for is, is more love. 
you really love the guy, then you would cry out. And and that's what Moses did right. when Miriam was stricken. Right. And so God hears him. I think it's that's what I'm seeing now is like this like relational community. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. He's, this is our family. And if you don't, if you're not feeling it, then it's like, well, why why are you praying for? Him? All right. So you want me to get up at one and say I'm not feeling the love. You're just making noise. I'm just making noise. Okay, to your point, we'll pray at the end of the portion discussion so that everybody gets a chance to get to know. If he, if he lives, you know, past Shabbat, so, you know. Well, good. I want to thank you for indulging me, um, and uh, good, good close. I, I appreciate that, and uh, I, I think that's the bottom line. We say we love one another. But to your point earlier, our faith is marked by action. I have tried as best I could to make each one of you feel welcome and loved in my home. And I open my home on Tuesday nights, not because all of you smell good, not because all of you look good, not because you bring wine, and many of you do, and that's a great, wonderful thing. Because I, I truly do love each one of you, and I care about your walk. And I want you to grow in Messiah. And I want you to change the world. And if you want to do that, if that's your heart, then we need to soften our hearts. I think as believers, I've heard that we tend to be soft-headed and hard-hearted. We can't give a good argument for our faith, and we don't love one another. And we need to flip that around, and you've got an opportunity to be hard-headed and stand against the wiles of the devil and tear down these fortresses that are stood up against us and be soft-hearted and love one another. I'm done preaching at you. I appreciate you sitting there. God bless you. I need a glass of wine.